You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. There's a lot of buzz right now about a prime piece of downtown Vancouver real estate up for sale. The St. Paul's Hospital site is assessed at more than $780 million. But even with the downturn in the market, the property is expected to fetch much more than that. As John Wall reports, it could be one of the biggest deals in the city's history. Making a quiet entrance into the real estate market, it's the kind of listing many agents pray for. I've probably handled some of the most iconic real estate in the city, and there's nothing that even comes close to this. 125 years and counting, St. Paul's Hospital has called the Burrard Street location its home. But with a new facility slated to be built on the False Creek Flats, Providence Health has officially put up the old site for sale. Here's the largest site in the most strategic location in downtown Vancouver that could go a long way. Now, considering the lot size and location, you would think this site would just sell itself. But let's go through the listing points anyway. The property assessment value is more than $784 million. It's 6.6 .6 acres in the heart of downtown, close to both transit and local amenities. It also has the unique feel-good selling feature that the proceeds will go towards funding the new hospital. We have an opportunity for a new hospital, uh, an opportunity to save taxpayers millions of dollars on that initiative. And with the potential of fetching a sale price of more than a billion dollars, there are plenty of ideas of what should be built here. I wouldn't object to residential towers. Uh, a recreation center might be nice. I might lean towards affordable housing. they got to keep a little bit of the existing building somewhere along the line. Heritage requirements, height, density and view cones, all restrictions under current zoning rules. Expect a strong push for this unique space, which could include affordable housing, to receive special consideration. We find that great piece of land that can go a long way to providing a solution. You know, we should, we should get collaborative. With the new hospital expected to open in 2026, that's seven years to figure out how to properly resurrect the old St. Paul's site. Sean Hua, Global News. New Westminster police have arrested a man accused of sexually assaulting young girls, and there are fears there could be more victims. 33-year-old Wesley Clarkson is in custody. Here's a picture of him. He is facing five counts of sexual assault and five counts of touching for a sexual purpose. Police say the victims were all under the age of 10 at the time. They believe there are potentially other victims out there that have yet to come forward. Clarkson has been convicted of similar crimes back in Ontario. If you have any information or any concerns, contact New West PD or your local police department. An urgent warning to illicit drug users in the Okanagan after a shockingly rapid series of overdose calls. Seven people overdosed in downtown Kelowna over the course of a few hours yesterday. Six of those ODs happened at the Cornerstone facility, operated by the John Howard Society. Staff were immediately able to intervene. Officials suspect the drugs were tainted with carfentanil. Just last week, Interior Health issued a warning about a rise in overdoses involving that powerful opioid, which is 100 times more potent than fentanyl. There was a large seizure of what's suspected carfentanil from a, a residence in West Cologne, and we believe that lower-end drug traffickers were bringing that over to Cologne, and that's why you see the rash of overdoses. Reduce your dose that you might normally take because um, it's a, it, it, there's a stronger, um, obviously a stronger line in there and we need to make sure that everybody's taking precautions.
Guards at the Kent Institution have seized a drone that was being used to smuggle contraband into the maximum security prison. The device was found on the facility's perimeter. It was carrying nearly $90,000 worth of drugs, along with a ceramic-edged knife, three cell phones and chargers, and SIM cards. The drugs included heroin, amphetamines, THC concentrates, along with steroids and 50 tablets of an estrogen reducer. Drones are a growing problem for prisons across the country. We get regular drone drops every week. Uh, sometimes we'll get four to five drone drops in a week. Uh, unfortunately, technology is sometimes not our friend. Uh, uh, lots of uh, jurisdictions and agencies are struggling with drones. The Correctional Service of Canada really has to get moving on some kind of technology. We need as much help as we possibly can uh, to get going. There's some projects, but it's not happening fast enough. Surrey RCMP are investigating a pair of overnight shootings. One of those attacks landed a man in hospital with critical injuries. And as Grace Key reports, the two incidents come on the heels of a chaotic shooting earlier this week. It's been a violent week in Surrey. Three separate shootings in just two days. One of the latest happening shortly after 2 in the morning inside a home by 91st Avenue and 148th Street. A man was taken to hospital in critical condition with apparent gunshot wounds. The victim rents a basement suite from this woman. Her son, who lives upstairs, ran down to help when he heard the shooting. He called 911 and then they told him what to do because his stomach was all bleeding and he was crawling, right? So he saved his life and he's in the hospital right now. Police say this was a targeted shooting and a dark colored SUV was seen speeding off. Neighbors clearly shaken by this latest incident. Oh, well, I'm in the basement next door, so it's a little concerning. My ex-wife lives here and uh, I got kids and they're all straight bullet and poof, anywhere. You know, it's scary. 40 minutes later, more gunfire in Surrey. Several bullets hit this home near 142nd Street and 110 Avenue. No one was home at the time and there were no injuries. It's believed this was a targeted shooting related to the drug trade. This comes on the heels of a gangland shooting on Monday that ended in a three-car collision, sending two people to hospital. These type of events can erode the feeling of safety that people in the community have, and it's important for them to know that we are um, going to be stepping up our patrols with our Surrey Gang Enforcement Team, traffic and frontline officers. Police don't believe any of the three shootings are related, and so far, no arrests have been made. Grace Key, Global News. ER doctors and healthcare workers are rallying across the country today for tighter gun control laws. This Vancouver demonstration is one of 16 organized by Canadian doctors for protection from guns. The group was founded last year by one of the Toronto surgeons on duty when victims of the Danforth mass shooting started arriving in hospital. Two people were killed, 13 others were hurt in that attack. Today's message? Canada needs tougher firearms restrictions, and they want the federal government to pass Bill C-71 right away. Often the focus is on uh, the trauma that um, surgeons and emergency department people have to deal with, but in a larger scale, this is really about violence in our society and that we need to really consider the, what's, going, what's going on that allows people to carry these guns and, and why they're using them. Today marks a very grim anniversary for the family of Wendy Ladner Beaudry, who was murdered in Pacific Spirit Park 10 years ago. They are renewing a reward for information. Police say they have exhausted all leads. 
But as Catherine Urquhart reports, there are some who believe investigators know more than they're letting on. Wendy Ladner Beaudry was murdered a decade ago while jogging in Pacific Spirit Park. And still, the case remains unsolved. The sudden loss of Wendy 10 years ago today opened up a hole in our lives that stares back at us every day. During a press conference, the Ladner family renewed a $30,000 reward for information. Police saying they have no suspects and no motive, despite receiving thousands of tips. Unfortunately, none of these tips have moved us any closer to locating who so suddenly took Wendy from her family. Police have never revealed how Ladner Beaudry was killed. This private investigator, a former Mountie, says there would be much more holdback information as well. We don't know the type of weapon that was used or she was found deceased. Uh, we don't have the results of the, for example, the autopsy. There could be some DNA available. You know, the forensics at the scene is really, really critical. Protecting the case, a top priority for investigators who must also balance the need for more information. Possibly they could have a suspect. I mean, Peter, her brother, seems to think that it's random. I respect that. He knows her quite well. But there's often hidden factors in someone's mind that other people may not know. And I'm not saying that Peter does not know his sister, but there's possibly something he didn't know at that time. Cold cases do get solved, sometimes many years later, due to DNA or a tip. Ladner Beaudry's family remaining hopeful that one day... Wendy's killer will be arrested. If you know something, someone, anything that will lead to an arrest, please, please let the police know. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Also tonight, there is a hefty reward being put up for information leading to the arrest of this man, Brandon Tessera. He's wanted Canada-wide for the first-degree murder of 28-year-old Nicholas Cabra back in October 2017. IHIT says the case is all set to go to court, and it's offering $55,000 to anyone who can help bring Tessera into custody. We believe that Mr. Texera has a number of associates in the Lower Mainland. Uh, We also believe that he has associates in a number of other provinces uh, in Canada. So what we're really asking today is for our citizens to be our eyes and ears and to keep a lookout for him. Right now we have no reason to believe that anyone is assisting him. Uh, We just want uh, the general public and his associates to know that if you do assist someone who is evading uh, police custody, that there are ramifications for that and that there are criminal charges. Two people seeking asylum here in BC are speaking out tonight about the persecution that forced them out of their home country of Brunei. The Islamic nation has implemented harsh new laws that make gay sex punishable by death by stoning. Kylie Stanton reports on their fears of ever going home. A phone in one hand, coffee in the other. Zuelmi bin Mohammed is settling into life in Canada a world away from home. I just felt suffocated there. It's just what I had to do to survive. Mohammed fled Brunei four months ago in anticipation of its imposition of death by stoning for men who have gay sex. And he's not alone. Yeah, I would be scared to go home. Both are seeking asylum here in Canada, now a matter of life or death. I'm a gay man. I'm confessing right now to the camera. If I go back to Brunei, would I be killed then? 
Would that be enough? Canada is one of roughly 60 countries with broad protections against same-sex discrimination. But many still have legal barriers to gay rights. About 70 countries criminalize same-sex acts, mainly in Africa and the Middle East. Now, in seven nations, the death penalty is in effect. In Brunei, the laws go on to include stoning to death for adultery, caning of women for gay sex, and amputations for theft. This is a kind of law that doesn't belong in the 21st century, and and we're astonished that, frankly, that Brunei is going forward with it. Celebrities are now jumping on board, calling for a boycott of high-end hotels in the U.S. and Europe owned by Brunei hoping to put pressure on the nation and have the decision reversed. The fact is that these laws put lives at risk. And so Canada can also speak out when these occurrences happen to ensure that people who are facing imminent danger have a pathway to safety. It's horrible. I'm just scared for my friends. For Mohammed and Sharani, Canada has become a haven and hopefully one day a permanent home. Now that going back is not an option. I never thought we were going to get here. But here we are. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Right now, though, one day after she was thrown out of the Liberal caucus by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, BC MP Jody Wilson-Raybould is firing back. As for the Prime Minister himself, an event today in the House of Commons that would normally have been a love fest turned into an embarrassing protest. No matter the angle, the message was clear. Young women from across the country turning their backs on the Prime Minister protesting his decision to throw MLA's Jane Philpott and Vancouver Granville MP Jody Wilson-Raybould out of the Liberal caucus. I believe that Justin Trudeau should apologize for his actions. He didn't acknowledge that true feminism is standing up for all women. The group in Ottawa on Wednesday is part of an annual event called Daughters of the Vote. Watching from the gallery, Philpott and Wilson-Raybould. Following the event, both speaking publicly for the first time since their expulsion on Tuesday. If you stand up for what you believe is right and you hold strong to your principles, um, the truth and principles must always come first. Wilson, Raybould and Philpott back in the House of Commons on Wednesday, but in much different seats, sitting across the aisle from their former Liberal colleagues. The former Attorney General reacting to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau calling her recording of a phone conversation unconscionable. It is unconscionable not to uphold the rule of law. And I um, have always maintained that stance. The Prime Minister saying he was forced to throw Wilson-Raybould out of caucus because that recording showed trust was broken and demonstrated a lack of confidence in the party. Trudeau defending his decision a day later. I know nobody in here wants to have to pick who to believe between Jody Wilson-Raybould and Chrystia Freeland. Nobody wants to know that one person has to be right and another person has to be wrong. Wilson-Raybould also told she can't run as a Liberal in Vancouver, Granville. She is still making up her mind on whether she'll run at all, run as an independent, or perhaps for another political party. Richard Zussman, Global News. Here in B.C., Grand Chief Stuart Phillip is slamming the Prime Minister for removing Jody Wilson-Raybould and Jane Philpott from caucus. Our Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry joins us now from Victoria. Keith, Grand Chief Phillip is not one to hold back. 
Certainly not doing it in this case either, Chris. He's known for his uh, rather harsh uh, criticism of governments of every stripe. Uh, no friend to any particular government, including the Trudeau one. He wants Trudeau to resign. I don't think that's going to happen. Nevertheless, unleashing a quite hefty criticism at what he uh, equates to the treatment of Wilson Raybould and Jane Philpott akin to a form of violence. Here's Grand Chief Stuart Phillip. That represents lateral violence, uh, violence against women at the highest levels of government in this land. And uh, there has been an inherent part of the uh, colonial, neo-colonial uh, narrative that seeks to um, silence the voice of women. There's always an effort to shush women because it's women that challenge the status quo. It's women that, that uh, speak out, that speak truth to power. So the Aboriginal aspect of this uh, uh, scandal, Chris, is one of the ones that goes to the heart of the Trudeau brand because, of course, he promised a new way of doing things, promised major reconciliation efforts on the Indigenous file, and, of course, uh, made his cabinet gender uh, equality. So uh, both on the female side and on the Indigenous side, he's come up short here, and he's got to be worried about making some, I think, some inroads on those two issues come the next election in October. Got some time to try to figure it out. All right, thanks yeah. very much, Keith Baldry in Victoria. BC's sports fishing industry is bracing tonight for some potentially devastating news. Ottawa is considering severe restrictions on the salmon fishery to protect the species. As Linda Aylesworth reports, conservationists insist that as painful as it would be, the cutbacks are necessary. This is an exciting time of year for recreational Chinook salmon fishermen and for the businesses that cater to them. So these downers here were all brought in by clients and they're all in preparation for the season. Holy Chinook, also known as spring or king salmon, are huge in size and hugely important, not just to the endangered southern resident killer whales that prey on them. Chinook salmon are the driving force for the recreational public fishery the driving force for tourism. But they are also in trouble. Of the 13 Fraser River populations, 11 are listed as endangered or threatened, which has led the federal government to consider some changes. Current low productivity of these stocks has resulted in high concern about further declines in spawner abundance in 2019. As a result, additional precautionary reductions in fishery mortalities are being planned. There are two possible scenarios. A would not allow any Chinook to be kept in the Strait of Georgia and Johnstone Strait. Option B allows for some retention fishing uh, for, for anglers to keep their catch. It's option A that BC's $1.1 billion recreational fishing industry is concerned about. If we go with scenario A, um, uh, the whole coast is is going to suffer and a good portion of the sport fishing businesses and communities are going to suffer to a point where it'll, it'll be the end. Adding to their anxiety, the wait for a decision. Not knowing what our destiny is three days into April when we were promised that it would be April 1st, it's contemptuous to what we do. Of course, the most important thing is saving our Chinook populations. Without them, there'd be no fishery and no southern resident killer whales. Restricting fisheries uh, may sound good, but we're probably talking about saving a few hundred fish. We need significant investment in habitat and enhancement. That, that really is what's required. Linda Aylesworth, Global News.
Well, despite a campaign to cut down on their numbers, deer will continue to roam freely around Penticton. City Council has voted 5-2 to two to reject a cull of the animals in urban areas, instead taking support staff's recommendation to focus on public education. Many locals are upset the proposal did not pass, saying the deer have become a nuisance. We tried in the past uh, to solve the problem, which we had no success with. And that's, that was probably one of the main reasons why it was turned uh, down to do something about it. So the whole process, as far as I'm concerned, was just a sham. Maybe we can herd the deer down to City Hall. Uh, maybe we can pick up our deer droppings and deposit them on the steps up there so they can see what kind of issue it is. All right, watch the headlights coming at you at the top of the screen. The driver of that tanker truck has fallen asleep, and as his truck leaves the road, it crashes down an embankment, its cargo exploding out of the tank. The good news is it's just milk and the driver was only slightly injured. Well, Hollywood came to Boston today as 50 people charged in that college admissions scandal begin to make their initial court appearances. Among them, the two defendants getting most of the attention, actresses Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin. They're used to the cameras, the questions, and the attention, but not quite like this. Actors Felicity Huffman and Lori Loughlin walking into federal court, not for TV roles, but as defendants accused of breaking federal law. More than a dozen others made the same walk Wednesday and went before a judge. They're accused of taking part in a college admissions bribery scheme. 33 parents are charged, as well as coaches and college administrators. Lachlan of Hallmark Channel and Full House fame, along with her husband Massimo Giannulli, are accused of paying more than a half million dollars to get their daughters into USC by posing as elite rowers, even though they never took part in the sport. Prosecutors say Huffman paid $15,000 for someone to fix wrong answers on her oldest daughter's SAT. Neither has had much to say since first learning about their charges last month. Three people have already pleaded guilty, including the accused mastermind Rick Singer, who said he took millions in payouts to guarantee admissions to several top universities. All of the defendants, including Huffman and Lachlan, had to turn over their passports to the court. Any international travel has to be approved by a judge. The judge also said that all defendants had to give up any guns they own for the time being, and they're not allowed to use illegal drugs. In Boston, Chris Pallone, NBC News. Vancouver businessman and philanthropist David Sidhu is also charged with conspiracy in connection with the same scandal. No word yet on his next court date. Never underestimate the power of the royal family. The latest social media venture by the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan, is already a record breaker. Never mind that the first post on their new Instagram account was just a blue screen announcing the feed. Within five hours, it had broken the Guinness World Record for the fastest to gain a million followers. It now has more than three million. The new account splits Harry and Meghan's feed from the one they shared with the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, who have 7.2 million followers. In Health Matters tonight, a new nationwide campaign to encourage organ donation is set to get underway this weekend. Aaron MacArthur talks to the family who turned their own personal tragedy into Green Shirt Day and the people whose lives have been saved by organ donors. Don't you take up on mommy. <laughs> Liam Pearson can be hard to keep up with. There was a time when his mom Sylvia didn't know if he would live another day, let alone run anywhere. At 13 days old, 
She was told Liam needed a double lung transplant. At the time we had our 16-month-old at home. It was just overwhelming. April 7th marks Green Shirt Day. Toby and Bernie Boulay launching the project in honor of their son Logan, who was a member of the Humboldt Broncos. The day about remembering their son by making it known what Logan's death meant. By donating his organs, six people were saved. And since then, more than 100,000 Canadians have registered their intentions to donate as well. The old Boulay effect is the first time in Canadian history that the needle is just like, bang. Nationwide, the conversation about organ donation has changed, but rates of registrations are still stuck near 20%. Provincially, those numbers are starting to move slightly. This is our first step. Nova Scotia has just introduced opt-out legislation, and in Saskatchewan, an online organ donor registry is finally a reality. So for us as a federal government, it's really important that we do more to encourage Canadians to have this conversation and to really encourage them to become organ donors. Tina Pruch knows firsthand what organ donation means. The lung recipient says it's not just Green Shirt Day. She remembers her donor every day. The amount of gratitude that I feel in my heart is more than, than anyone, I think, can possibly comprehend or explain. Saturday marks one year since the Humboldt Bronco bus crash. Sunday, the day Logan Boulay's parents made the only decision they could. It just seemed to me, without question, I guess, the right thing to do, that Logan was not going to survive, but other people's lives could be made better. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And Global's very proud to be a big part of that green shirt campaign. You'll see more of that in the days to come. Big news today from a supergroup that broke up 37 years ago but are still a force in pop music. We'll have the details coming up just after the forecast with Christy. Before we get to that, though, Illinois police and the FBI are investigating what could be the astonishing end to a missing child case dating back to 2011. A 14-year-old boy is safe tonight after telling police that he just escaped kidnappers who'd been holding him for years. Timothy Pitson of suburban Chicago was just six years old in May 2011 when his mother checked him out of school early, then took him on a road trip, including visits to water parks, some of it caught on surveillance cameras. Three days later, Amy Fry Pitson killed herself at this Illinois motel. The note she left behind saying her boy was safe, but that he would never be found. We still do not have any solid leads as to where Timothy may be. There also was blood found in her car, which tested positive as Timothy's. But late today, a possible major development. According to an Ohio police report, a 14-year-old named Timothy Pitson told investigators he had just escaped two kidnappers that have been holding him for seven years, running from a Red Roof Inn motel in the Cincinnati area across a bridge into Kentucky. The boy described his captors as white men with bodybuilder-type build, one with a spider tattoo on his neck, the other a snake tattoo on his arms. Tonight, police in his hometown said they are working with the FBI on a missing persons tip, but would not confirm if it's Timothy. His grandmother, hopeful. Never forgotten, never stopped thinking about him every day. Ron Mott, NBC News, Chicago. What a story. Okay, lots of rain uh, over the past day or so, but uh, maybe a sunny break coming back. We'll get the details from Christy right now. 
Thanks, Chris. Yes, yeah, so certainly back to rain. We were expecting this. The first wave happened last night. We saw it through the morning hours. Yes, we woke up to this. My my kids were going, is that rain outside? We haven't it's been seen so long. it has. And we certainly need the rain, but it's nice when there's some bright spots in between the rain. And we had a little bit of it today. There is still a fair amount of cloud out there, but some blue sky in the mix as things eased off. Now, we still have a chance of showers uh, through the eastern Fraser Valley mountain regions uh, tonight. That will ease off tomorrow morning, though, and we're watching a number of showers in through the interior regions, along with a few lightning strikes just south of the border, touching into Grand Forks. Now, there's quite a bit of rain in this cell here, and we're expecting that to make its way towards Nelson and Castlegar. Castlegar in the next 15 minutes, and Nelson in about a half an hour. And that could bring in a lot of rain to those areas that haven't seen much rain in the last little while. Tomorrow, this is the break that we were talking about. A lot of this moisture is going to be driven towards the north coast. We'll see snowfall across the northern regions as well. But across the south, a break. But it's brief. It's very brief, everyone. Then this next system moves on shore. So we'll be back to rain again tomorrow evening. Let's focus in, though, on the south coast. A few key things that I want to mention. We still do have a slight chance of showers in the early morning along the mountains and up into the House Sound region. Most other areas should be dry. We'll catch that break during the mid part of the day and then increasing cloud later on with the rain developing through the evening hours tomorrow. So across the north, snowfall. There is still snowfall warning in place for Fort Nelson. Some areas across the southwestern sections could see another 15 centimeters of snow overnight tonight. Meanwhile, we're talking about rain for the north coast and otherwise sunshine from Prince George right down through the south. Now, these temperatures are not too bad. These are still above seasonal, although you'll start to see a trend towards cooler conditions over the next couple of days, as will the south coast. So a very slight chance of showers, otherwise breaks near midday tomorrow and then increasing cloud with a chance of showers towards the end of the day and then then it looks like we really get wet. And one concern will be Saturday because we're expecting wind and rain. And if you hadn't been able to get out and enjoy the cherry blossoms, it's wind and rain that make them all come down and stick to your car. Nice shot from Vancouver. Thanks to Al for that one. These ones are cherries. And one more shot. These ones are the plum blossoms. Thanks to Nicole. Very pretty. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thanks very much, Christy. And thanks, Nicole. Well, they broke up nearly 40 years ago, but thanks to that stage musical hit and a couple of hit movies, ABBA is as hot as ever, and now they're even about to release a new song. The group initially announced that two new songs to be sung by computer-generated avatars would be produced for a TV special last December. Bjorn Ulveus now says fans can expect a new song in September or October. Ulveus says it's taking a lot longer than expected to make the video with the avatars, but the song, I Still Have Faith in You, should be done this fall. No plans to tour ever again, though. So that's, hmm. so that's that for fans. Probably you got, never you got your movies, you got your Mamma Mia musical. That's right. I remember going to the movie, too, the ABBA concert movie with my parents many really? years ago. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's quite something. <laughs> they let you go to that. <laughs> they did. Singing the <laughs> whole way home parents. on the 8-track. All right. <laughs> In my neighborhood, if you uh, listen to ABBA, bad things happen to you. <laughs> <laughs> you never admitted to that. It's like, right. oh, no, no. I'm into Led Zeppelin. I'm not into <laughs> ABBA. Apologies to Coach Clay Brooks for the spelling error on his name. Oh, you it looks like Devon. 
but it's Devon. It's Devon. It should be Devon with an E on, e on the end. We e missed it. Okay. I missed it. It's okay. It's okay. Thanks for correcting it. We, we you know, phonetically it was correct. Oh, right. Okay. That's, How's that? That's good. Uh, the uh, right choice was made last night when the Vancouver Canucks handed out their uh, yearly awards. Jacob Markstrom, MVP. And his season really changed after a so-so start. He was Vancouver's best player when the calendar flipped from 2018 to 2019. As we said last night, he was the only reason they stayed in the playoff race as long as they did. It also helped the other teams around them weren't having a great year, but Markstrom was the man. Uh, now, of course, the Canucks are in the draft lottery. We know that for sure. But if they keep winning games, their chances of winning the lottery go down. But obviously, you can't go in the dressing room and say, OK, boys, Jack Hughes is out there. We need to take a dive. And the uh, players, just like last year, remember last year they finished strong. They're finishing strong this year, much to the chagrin of Tank Nation. That's not our mindset. Our mindset is to win, try to win every single hockey game we can. We're not going to, you know, lose games just for the sake of a draft pick. Um, you know, everybody's competing here. Everybody wants to stay here next year. And, and we're, we're fighting for jobs, too. So, um, you know, it's, it's good to see that, uh, that everybody's being competitive for the last, uh, the last stretch here. Hey, look who's out on the ice night in Chicago. Tony and Phil. People forget that Tony, uh, make that Phil Esposito actually started his career with the Blackhawks, then got traded to Boston. There's Tony with Cam Ward. There's Phil and Patrick Kane. Tony and Phil are not playing tonight. That's, that's all they got <laughs> was a warm-up. Okay, speaking of Patrick Kane, how many times has he set up Jonathan Taves? Many times. It's won them Stanley Cup, but it's not taking him to the playoffs this year. St. Louis, though, after a horrible start to the season, is going to the playoffs. Nice shot by Vladimir Tarasenko, but it's Chicago up 2-1 after two. So after getting a bit of a scare from the Seattle Thunderbirds in the opening round series of the WHL playoffs, the Vancouver Giants are now getting ready for round two, and it'll be against Victoria. Whoever wins this series will be the last BC team left in the postseason. The Giants are favored. Victoria had to beat Kamloops in six games to get to the second round. Losing the puck, cleared out the center, and now Byram sends a Royal into the bench. I'm expecting a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff after the whistles. For sure. I think it's me to uh, get up that chin shaft and let's go. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of ups and downs, and it's going to be fun. Serious play. 2-1-2 two, two with Hanoon. Right side, Phillips shoots. He scores! It might very well be the best matchup in the Western Hockey League playoffs. A year ago, the Victoria Royals ended the Giants' playoffs with an opening round Game 7 victory. Then this past regular season, the Giants own the Royals, going 6-2-1-1. Handily winning the BC Division banner. You know the playoff series last year certainly with the, the physicality of it and and the competitive competitiveness was huge. So I really hope our boys remember that because we we're on the losing end of it last year and we're hoping to be on the winning end of it this year. The Giants and Royals both won their opening round series in six games. Vancouver pushed by Seattle in a series where the Giants' depth and goal in the blue line took control. It's a team very capable of making a deep run in the postseason who also currently have the leading playoff scorer in Davis Kosh. We, we know these guys as well as we know anybody. We've played them 10 times this year. We've had, we've had a good season series with them and we wouldn't expect any different in the playoffs. It's our, it's our closest game. It's their closest game. Um, you know, the way we finished the regular season, we were 3-3 we were three and three with them, and, and, and obviously it was, it was really heated in their building. Both games had two great games in their building, so um, 
you know, it has become a rivalry, and, and obviously, uh, you know, they want to move past the second round, and so do we. So I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a great series. Robbery by Griffin Outhouse as he saves the day in overtime. All right, so Randall Grichik uh, got a new contract the other day, five years, $52 million in the Jays. How does he repay him? By hitting home runs. Two of them today against Baltimore. 5-3 win by the Jays over the O's in Toronto. First ever game at Tottenham's new stadium, and they had the fireworks display near the logo. Didn't score their first goal in their new stadium until the 55th minute. Song Hyung Min with a move. Song! Make yourself at home! He did. 2-0 the final over Crystal Palace. And Man City against Cardiff City. Kevin De Bruyne. Two good chances already. Little chip. How did he clever. And then Leroy Sané as uh, Man City moves back in front. Top of the tables. It's Sané through a crowd. Top of the box. 2-0 in the 44th, 2-0 in the final. Here's something cool. Craig Cunningham, former Vancouver Giant, Boston Bruin, Arizona Coyote, trying out a prototype skate on a prosthetic leg. And it works pretty well, although skating backwards, he says, is the only thing that's difficult. Uh, other than that, dangling quite well. He, of course, uh, lost his leg due to an infection after an on-ice cardiac arrest in 2016. Having fun out there. Uh, Jeannie Bouchard says she's going to stop playing tennis for a while and get healthy again. We don't really know what the health issues she's referring to are. That's all the release from her publicist said. There's also no time frame on how long this will take. Uh, she hasn't entered any upcoming WTA event. She's ranked 76th in the world right now, but of course not playing. We'll obviously drop her down the rankings. All right, so we're going to wrap this up with a look at some of the best sports movies, football movies football. especially. Because what's your favorite sports movie of all time? Well, my favorite of all time is The Longest Yard. Original. Like the original Burt. Burt Although Burt Reynolds was in the remake, too. He was, But he was yeah. in the original. Oh, that was a great movie. Um, Slapshot, great movie. Great movie. Major League, great movie. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, Bad News Bears. Bad News Bears. Anyway, Devon Claybrooks, the Lions head coach, when he was an assistant coach in Calgary, he would go on a local morning show and do movie reviews. So he thought, okay, he's a movie buff, he's a coach. Let's talk sports movies, specifically football movies. Sports movies have been around forever, and every sport has been used at least once, but none more so it seems in football. So when talking about football movies, why not bring in a football expert? Lions head coach Devon Claybrooks. My favorite sports movies remember Titans. And because he's played and coached, he knows art doesn't always imitate real life. And like in most movies, they have a scent of the truth, but you have to embellish for dramatic purposes. <laughs> like Rudy? Yes, like Rudy. I mean, Rudy was a good movie in a sense, but like, come on now. Like, they, I really, you know, did you see how Rudy Galley, how little he was in there? Yeah, I mean, he, he was a, a, a fairly decent high school player, you know, but they made it, you know, they, they signed up. Casting call was 5'8 or shorter. But he was impressed by a five foot nine inch actor playing a quarterback. Jamie Foxx looks looks believable because he could throw it, but LL Cool J did not look legit at the running back in any given Sunday. 
I'm sorry. But he did have the prima donna attitude of the running backs that you typically deal with. And no football movie is complete without a dramatic speech from a coach. Tell him to go out there with all they got and win just one for the Gipper. What is the best movie football coach speech you've ever seen? Oh, any given Sunday. Either we heal now as a team or we will die as individuals. And I even use a line in it, and some of my players, it's funny because you say it and it's, you say it with dramatic purpose. You're like, you like, we can either win as a team or we can die as individuals, which is a true statement. And, and that's my time. And they didn't even get any, ain't that any given Sunday? <laughs> very, that's a great very guy. Cool. There you go. We, we mentioned Bull Durham, too. Well, we could, we could just go yeah. on. Uh, Bull Durham, yeah. Field of Dreams Field is a of great Dreams. movie. Yeah. I joked about Air Bud as Air a local Air movie. Bud. <laughs> good. I'm sure you have your own I as well. I think Air Bud was filmed here, or at least It was. Here. That's All what right. I mean. Okay. Local. Were you in it? No, I was not. Oh. I just knew people that were. Okay. Thanks. Thanks very much for watching, everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow. I'm